0: It's my honor to invite Rabbi Beth to teach us this evening. So how many of you either grew up with or are familiar with or have ever heard of the Maxwell House Haggadah? We have a few people. You know, you know the Maxwell House. Remember Maxwell House coffee? Good to the last drop, right? In my family, I'm gonna do a little show and tell with you tonight. Our family, we had a Maxwell House Haggadah, but we used the um, Union Haggadah. Is anyone familiar with this Haggadah? Any hands there? Yeah, we have a few Union Haggadah people. Some don't recognize it because it often had a white paper cover over it, but it looked something like this on the inside, and that's what we grew up with. But many families used the Maxwell House Haggadah. And I think they did it because it was a very short Haggadah, like Haggadah be going. Um, and you could pick it up for free in the grocery store in the coffee aisle. So a few years ago, based on this memory, I had what, what I thought was a brilliant idea. But there was a problem with my execution of this idea, as you're going to hear. In Seattle, I attended this one fundraiser every year and the CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, and his wife, Sherry, always came to this particular fundraiser, I was and remain convinced that what we need at this moment in time is a Starbucks Haggadah. (laughs) Just think about it, this would be a Haggadah that would represent our time, concise, transliterated, very friendly to interfaith families, telling the story in a compelling way. Well, my campaign was misguided. My last time at this fundraiser, I knew this was gonna be my last chance, so I brought a note explaining my whole idea to about my Starbucks Haggadah idea. I came to the gala, but Howard Schultz was unable to make it that day. So I sidled over to Sherry, who is understandably wary of people like me, who think they have very good ideas for her husband, and I raised my idea. And just judging from the look on her face, I have a sense that the Maxwell House Haggadah was not a part of her tradition, her childhood, because she looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. And though she took my note for Howard, I have a sense that it went from purse to trash bin, and that was that. So as we prayer for, prepare for our Satyrs, one week, from tonight. And just, uh, just make sure you catch it. We'll have a little five o'clock service uh, to say Kaddish here next Friday night. And then you can go to your seders. Or if you don't have a seder Friday night, we have a congregational seder Saturday night. But sign up before uh, all, the, all the seats are taken. So as we, we draw up our guest lists, our menus, we sometimes give the least amount of attention to the Haggadah. But I think the Haggadah is an extraordinary treasure, a timeless bestseller that manages to reinvent itself in every generation while holding on to its core content. It's amazing. The rabbis in the Mishnah, which was, uh, which was uh, compiled in the year 200, laid out the foundation of the Haggadah. And interestingly, these early rabbis picked one Short biblical passage for the Magid, the storytelling, it's those famous formulaic words from Deuteronomy. My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt in meager numbers and sojourned there. The Egyptians dealt harshly with us, and they oppressed us. They imposed heavy labor on us. We cried to God, and God heard our prayer and freed us from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and awesome power. That's it. That short biblical passage for the earliest rabbis was the focal point of the Seder. And why so short? They taught us that we should spend our time on the night of the Seder drawing out meaning, discussing, um, pulling the meaning from the text rather than simply reading one long text after another. It's as if they said, here's what happened to our people. Discuss. Of course, many more formulaic passages got added to the Haggadah over time. The four cups of wine, the four questions, the four sons, the ten plagues, Avadim, Hayinu, Elijah, Miriam, Dayanu, and all the storytelling foods on the Seder plate. Now, some of us can get through a Seder in under 30 minutes, and others can go on all night. The Haggadah is such a phenomenal book that it lends itself to any of these approaches. In modern times, Haggadot emerged with tie-ins to other forms of oppression. Here's one from our family collection. Elie Wiesel published this beautiful Haggadah in which he notes on this evening, all questions are not only permitted, but invited. He invites modern day events to mingle with the message of the enslaved Israelites from oppression to freedom when he writes, more than any generation before, my contemporaries have known not only a paroxysm of evil, but also the realization of a promise. Not only the kingdom of night, but also the rebirth of a dream. Not only the horror of Nazism, but also the end of the nightmare. The Havgada invites us to more deeply experience the oppression of our ancestors by relating to contemporary oppressions, whether it be the Holocaust, racism, human trafficking. It is a call to our most empathic response to feel the plight of those around us who are not yet free, and to act to bring about their freedom. Many Haggadot of our time do not highlight a contemporary form of oppression, per se, but rather they provide us with new interpretations to enhance our table discussions. This year, we picked up a Haggadah with commentary by Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik. I got this from the Afikomen bookstore, and they have a marvelous collection of, of Haggadot. If you haven't been over to Afikoman, you should get there. Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik was a 20th century scholar and philosopher, a great rabbi. We might think to ourselves, well, what is there really to say about those words in the Haggadah, let all who are hungry come and eat? Reflecting on these words, Rabbi Soloveitchik contrasts enslavement, when nothing belongs to the enslaved person, with freedom, in which we are free to accumulate possessions. He wants us to understand that even though we are free, everything we possess belongs to God. The Rav teaches, let anyone who is in need join and share the meal I have accumulated, for this meal really belongs to God, and I have no personal ownership. Let all who are hungry come and eat. He goes on to say, that could be seen as self-reflective, inviting, as it were, yourself to the meal, acknowledging that you are a guest of the owner, or God, A commentary like this can at the very least provide great talking points about ownership and wealth and wealth disparity, and at most, can reframe our very sense of self, of who we are in the universe. We are all guests. We all partake of God's bounty. A few years ago, some literary geniuses came out with The New American Haggadah, edited by Jonathan Savron 4, with commentaries by well-known names including Jeffrey Goldberg and Lemony Snicket. Do we have any Lemony Snicket people here, I hope, because these won't make sense to too many other people unless you know Lemony Snicket's style. He addresses a younger Jewish audience when he comments in this book, the story of Passover may seem very remote to you as it happens happened thousands of years ago when the oldest person at your Seder table was very young. (laughs) But in fact, the story of liberation is one that is still going on as people all over the world are still in bondage, and we wait and wait as the Jews of Egypt waited and waited for the day when freedom will be spread over the world like frosting on a cake rather than dabbed here and there as if the baker were selfishly eating most of the frosting from the bowl. That could give you something to talk about at your Seder. The hope is that these simple snippets of wisdom from different Haggadot will motivate you to take a few moments this week, amidst your other Passover preparations and the regular life that you lead, and think about how to best experience the exodus from Egypt and the meaning of the Seder, regardless of the length of your own Seder. You can come up with a song, a game, a fifth question. You can identify an oppression of this time and weave it in to your Seder conversation. Invite yourself to your own seder to experience it and to grow from it. Now, my favorite of all the Haggadot, since we don't yet have a Starbucks Haggadah, is this one. It's the Moss Haggadah, a gorgeous rendering by the artist David Moss. In this and in all Haggadot, the rabbis taught us in every generation, you should see yourself as if you yourself had come free out of Egypt. So David Moss illustrates that page in the Haggadah with these beautiful cameo pictures of all different kinds of faces and then interspersed with the faces our little cameo mirrors, so you can find yourself in this story. May you see something about yourself, about the Jewish people, about the world, and may you be a better human being and a stronger part of the Jewish people because of it, as we go in and we experience this Yitziat Mitzrayim, this coming out of enslavement to freedom together. Shabbat Shalom and a zisan Pesach, a very sweet, happy Pesach to everyone.